Amen. Good morning. On uh, the 11th hour of November 11th, 1918, 11-11-11, uh, was Armistice Day. That was the day to end the war to end all wars. World War One. We allowed it to, or kept the name Armistice Day until after World War Two. And then in 1947, uh, this day became known as Veterans Day. And that's the day that, that we take time to honor all of those that have served to protect the liberties and the freedoms that this country is afforded. And we owe them a debt of gratitude, don't you agree? Uh, I, I would like all those that have, that have served in the military, would you just stand Let's give them a hand. Thank you. Thank you for your, for your service. Thank you for defending the freedoms that we have. It's a, uh, one of those freedoms. Well, there's a lot of freedoms that, that those that have fought in, in wars to preserve our way of life, our freedom of speech, our freedom of worship, uh, one of the freedoms is uh, a freedom to have a free election. Isn't that great? Don't you love that? Uh, a free election by people is one of the greatest freedoms that you can have. Americans get to choose who will serve as our leaders. You, you have to, let me stop there for a moment. There are a lot of countries around the world that have leaders that are not chosen by the people. Then there are countries that have leaders that pretend like they're chosen by the people. There's very few countries like this that we actually get to choose our leaders. It's important. It's important to freedom. We have the freedom of speech, we have a freedom of, uh, of religion, and we have the freedom uh, of democracy to vote in those that we want. You say, well, are you a political person? I'm really not. I'll probably get more political today than you'll ever uh, hear me, ever. Because I, I just realized that the midterms are over, sorta. <laughs> And changes are coming, and, and, and there's not as many changes as what some desired, and yet, um, and then there's more changes than, than some anticipated, and it is an amazing thing, but the, the one thing that is true is democracy has prevailed, that, that people went out and voted and their voice was heard, and you have to celebrate that. Amen? I know many have been praying for a change, and that's good. But the truth is, a change in, in American politics is, is a constant, because leaders come and leaders go. You know, and, and, you know, and some are, are voted out because we just don't like them. Some are voted in because we think we like them, and then we decide we don't like them. Some are voted out because we put term limits on them and we get them out. That's the way America is designed. But what amazes me is that leaders on both sides 
uh, of the political aisle always promise the same thing. They always say, America's best days are ahead of us. That's been spoken by every president or would-be president for the last 50 years. America's best days are ahead of us. And I'm not going to disagree with that, but I'm going to say that, that here's where my concern lies. And you say, okay, are you going to be uh, a, a Republican or a Democrat? I'm neither one. I'm a Christian. My concern in politics and politicians, they look at the success of this nation and they lavish praise on their own merits and on our own excess, and we never give credit to God. We can't, we mustn't look to men for our future. We have to look to God. Any blessings that this nation has occurred, it's not through men. It's been the blessing of God. And it doesn't matter what label a a person has behind their name. It is the blessings of God that has elevated this nation, and it's the blessings of God that will sustain this nation. And it has never been through politicians. It's always been through men and women that have found time to get on their knees and begin to pray because the Bible says righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. And here is my concern today is that that this cycle that we have seen, it's very telling about the heart of our country. The heart. See, true change begins in the heart. True change. A person never really changes until they have a change of heart. Oh, you may try to change on the outside, and you may fool some people. You may even fool yourself for a time. But until the heart is transformed, you are still the same person. I have have seen people with addictions. I have seen people with a variety of different circumstances in their life, and they will try to change things on the outside, and, and perhaps, just perhaps, that their motives are pure. But the reality is it never lasts until there is a change of heart, until that individual realizes that, that I have to be a different individual. The change that, that in America that I see is that America has lost its heart for God. That America needs to return to a, a way of life that is not based on politics, but based on praising God, on worship of the Creator. We have the, the change that we need is toward righteousness. We now have laws that, that, that celebrate what the Bible calls abomination, that we have passed laws that, that the Scripture declares are transgressions, and we relish and we take joy in the fact that, that these things, which are an atrocity 
and in an abomination to God, we rejoice and say they are normal and they are righteous and they are good. And if you say anything against it, then, then you are the one that is intolerable, that you're the one that is wrong and you will be isolated and set aside. And you say, well, why do you say that, Pastor? I say it because... God does his greatest work in difficult times. I'm going to say that again. God does his greatest work in difficult times. Daniel, when he was thrown in the lion's den, was not having a great life in Israel. He was in a foreign nation. He was taken captive in a foreign nation. Things were not going right for Israel at the time. And yet God used the circumstances that, that Daniel was in to transform and to bring revival. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Whereas I heard once Shadrach, Meshach, and a billy goat. Uh, they were forced. You either kneel before this foreign God or you lose your life. And they stood. And it was their faith in God in a difficult time that transformed a nation. My friends, God uses difficult times to get his work accomplished. When the children of Israel left Egypt and they were in the wilderness and they were, they were trapped by the Red Sea and the, and the Egyptian army behind them, it wasn't like they had a highway to get to the promised land. They were just there. They were stuck. And they were in a place that none of us would want to be in. And yet God had them right where he wanted them because it was in their weakness that he was made strong. It was in a place when they could do nothing that God said, watch me work. I want to bring you some hope today. That God does his greatest work when we think everything is lost. When you think that there is no way out, that's when God says, hey, watch this. I wonder if he brings some joy. I wonder if he smiles sometimes when he does that. Can you see him in heaven, you know, and we're all perplexed and disturbed and frustrated and God smiling, looking at the angels and says, watch this, boys. Is God the same yesterday, today, and forever? God does never leaves his people. But if we're to retain uh, the freedoms that, that we want, if we're, if we're going to retain uh, and must be a nation that honors God and his word, there's something that has to occur. There's something that has to, to happen, and that is the heart of the nation needs to be broken. As Jeremiah said to Israel, break up the follow ground of your heart. 
If you really want to see change, it will not happen at the polling station, but in the prayer closet. It's going to happen when America realizes we need God. A return to righteousness and the righteousness of the living word is essential. And it's the tears of repentance that will bring the blessings for our nation. And it doesn't begin in Washington nor in Tallahassee or any other place in the, in the states. It begins with the church. It's impossible to catch the full vitality of the living word of God, to live it out without a broken heart. I'm going to say that again. It's impossible to really comprehend, to grasp, to catch the beauty of the written word of God when you're reading it without a broken heart. A.W. Tozer said that the, that the word of God was written in, in tears, and through tears you discover its greatest joys. The word of God is meant for the brokenhearted. The word of God brings hope and comfort to those that, that show humility, that those that, that are, are weak in spirit, that he can be strong. God shares his beauty and his glory and his magnificence with those that are meek and humble, not those that are proud. The problem that we have had, and, I, and I'm just going to say it, and you say, well, Pastor, you're, 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 catch, you're, you're casting a gloom picture. I'm really not casting a, a gloom uh, picture. I'm just telling you the way I see it. It's impossible to catch the vitality of the living word of God if we don't have a broken heart. And I believe that, that many a doctrine of Christ has been misunderstood by those readers that have a casual heart. And they're trying to read the word of God with a casual heart and not with a broken heart. With a carnal mind and not the mind of Christ. And you say, well, well can you give me an example? Oh yeah, I, I can give you an example. What about prosperity doctrine? I don't usually say things about prosperity doctrine or any other erroneous doctrines, but I'm going to say it just because I can. There's nothing in Scripture that says that if you serve God, you're going to be blessed and, and amazed. That, you know, that gain is godliness. That, you know, because I, I know that, that that's a popular one in the United States, but you go outside the United States where the vast majority of people in, in the world live, and you don't see the prosperity. And you don't see, uh, you don't see, you know, uh, blessing just pouring out on all of God's people everywhere around the world. 
We live in a great country, and we need to be thankful for that. But the reality is the blessings of this life don't come because of your righteousness or your dedication to God. They come because of the blessings of the Lord. And God has just as many or more people that have sacrificed and have given their lives for the cause of Christ than he has those that he has blessed. So you might want to ask yourself, if you are blessed, why has God blessed me? We're blessed because God loves us. But it does, but the blessings of God doesn't mean that we are doing his will or that we are the, the blessed of God because there are many people around the world that are struggling and they love the Lord. See, catastrophic, catastrophe occurs when tearless men, when 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 men begin to interpret the scripture without a broken heart. And you see this with, with many leaders today. That, that we interpret scripture and we're not interpreting it according to the will of God. We're interpreting it according to our own culture or to our own desires or to our own ways. And, and if we want to see God move, it begins with God's leaders having a broken heart. This is what Joel said in Joel 2.17. He's talking to the leaders of Israel, and he said this. He said, let the priests, the ministers before the Lord, weep between the temple porch and the altar and let them say spare your people O Lord do not make your inheritance an object of scorn or a byword among the nations you notice that he, he's looking at, at leaders and, he is, and, and the leaders are the ones that are supposed to be there that says Lord Bring, bring revival to your people. Don't allow them to be a, a byword among the people, but spare them, save them. They have a broken heart for those that, that are astray. Change starts with God's people having a broken heart. A broken heart for the lost, a broken heart for the wayward, a broken heart for their nation. And when God's people start having a broken heart, when they start really getting to the place where they're laying between the, the porch and the altar and they're saying, God, you have blessed this nation and we want you to bless it again. We, you have done amazing things and I want you to do amazing things again. When, when you begin to pray, when we begin to seek God and we begin to look at the world for what it really is and we confess to God, that's when God does his greatest work. This is what Paul told the church in Philippians, in Philippians 3.18. He says, as often I told you as I told you before, and now I say again, even with tears, many live as the enemies of the cross of Christ. Notice, notice that, that Paul is referencing people that were in opposition to him, in opposition to the gospel, in opposition to the church. And he said, I'm writing to you, and I'm writing to you with a broken heart, with tears, that there are people that are an enemy to the cross of Christ. 
Can I ask you a question? Those that are enemies to the cross of Christ in your life, do you have a broken heart for them? Or do you want to break their neck? Are we praying for them? Or are we praying that God deals with them? It's important to understand that true revival, true change, and you know me, I'm a glass half full person. I believe that change is happening and change is going to happen. And the amazing thing is it's going to be incredible, but it's not going to start any other place than when God's people decide that enough is enough and their heart is broken, truly broken for their nation and, and for their community and for their family. And when we begin to pray and seek God, that's when great things are going to happen. Prayer changes circumstances. I'm not just saying any prayer, but a, a prayer of concern, a prayer of the brokenhearted, a prayer of faith that says, God, we're not where we're supposed to be, but I know that you're the God of salvation. You're the God of righteousness. You're the God of deliverance. You're the God of healing. And it doesn't matter where we are right now. We say, God, we need you. Man, when, when God's people start doing that, incredible things start happening. Daniel began to pray and to fast, and he wept before God for 21 days, and then he was given insight into the future of his nation. But Daniel wasn't given that until after he prayed, until after he Fasted until after his heart was broken before God. Moses laid his life before God as an offering when the children of Israel were disobedient. He said, God, spare them. Take me. Take me. Spare them. Paul again said, if I could for the for Israel, I would give my life for their behalf if I could. He was saying, Lord, if it's possible, use me as a sacrifice. Take my life, but, but save Israel. It's the church's cry in the book of Revelation that says, and the spirit and the bride say, come. It's when God's people begin to, to weep and, and to, to look at the, at the circumstances around them and you realize that you need a Savior, that we need God. And when we begin to petition God with tears, that's when he is moved with compassion. Christian leaders that have brought change, that have charted the course of, of nations, that have brought revival, have all been men and women of prayerful conviction. There's never been a revival that first didn't have a group of men and women that were brokenhearted. Daniel's convictions stayed the lion's hunger. 
It was the Hebrews' children's commitment to God that kept them from the consuming flames. It was Elijah's prayers that turned a nation. The book of James says Elijah was a man just like us. I don't know about you, but it was, sometimes when I read the Bible, I kind of read it like a, a comic book in the sense that they're all superheroes. But the reality is when you really look at the men and women that God used, they were just plain, ordinary with an extraordinary passion for God and his people. There was nothing supernatural about Noah except he loved God and loved his family. God has used men and women throughout history just like you, just like me, that decided that they would stop looking at the solutions of men. Listen to me. They would stop looking at the solutions that men have to offer and they would turn to the one that truly has the solution to every problem that anybody ever faced. And when we as God's people allow our hearts to be broken and we begin to call on God we don't have to look back and look at Elijah or Daniel or the Hebrew children or Esther or, or anybody else that's, uh, that's set there as an example for us but when we begin to intercede for a nation, when we begin to intercede for our family, when we begin to intercede with a broken heart because we're genuinely concerned about the souls of men. That's when God does his greatest work. God's calling us. It's time it's time for God's people to trust in God, to trust in his word, to not look to, to those that, that are promising a, a better future and a better tomorrow. Uh, I do believe that in a better future. I do believe in a better tomorrow, but I also believe with all my heart that any blessing and prosperity will come from Almighty God. And if we want to see change in our own lives, if we want to see change in our families, if we want to see change in our state, if we want to see change in our, in our nation, if we want to see change in the world, it always begins when God's people lay before the Lord and say, Lord, you see the need, spare your people. I'm going to ask our praise team to come back. If they would... And I want to put a challenge to you today. Where is your heart? 
what are you looking to or looking for, or rather, who are you looking to to solve the problems that you see in the world? Because the honest, it's not going to come from the blue side, and it's not going to come from the red side. It's going to come through righteousness. And righteousness comes through the blood of Christ. That's the beginning and that's the end. It's all about Christ. And we are the recipients of the blessings of God. And the Bible tells us if my people which are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways then I will hear from heaven not might hear not could hear not on a good day hear but I will I shall hear from heaven and I will heal their land would you stand with me? Have you ever prayed for something? And as you started praying for it, then God answered. You didn't like the answer. You ever prayed for something that like, oh man, I really need this? And uh, I know I, I was praying once that I really needed a car. And I told you the story of the $49 car. In my mind, I was not anticipating that I would have to get up in the middle of the night and go outrun a bunch of teenagers to get into a car so I could get it for $49. In my mind, I just thought God would just give me a car. You know, a really nice one. But in God's plan, he answered it. But it required me to do my part. Because in that, in that story, and I'll, I'll recap it quickly, we were without a car. I went and stood in, in line. At, at, at a, they had a promo, and they had all the used cars, and if you were sitting behind the wheel of the, of the one car, you got it for $49. And I had $200 in my bank account, and, and I was sitting in the right car, and after paying taxes and everything else, it came out to $188. And God gave me $12 to put in the gas tank. Isn't God good? God had that car, and it was already there for me, man. It was ready to go. A cutlass. Woohoo! Uh, had a slight dent on one side. He had to drive around the block only one way so everybody wouldn't see it. But the amazing thing about it is, if my wife wouldn't have been looking in the newspaper, now a newspaper is something that, it's actually paper that we used to have come to our house. Um, don't see many of those. Anymore. Anyway, she saw the ad in the paper, and she said, hey, why don't you go there? We've been praying for a car. Why don't you go there? And you know what my first thought was? I would like to tell you my first thought was, yeah, that's exactly what God's going to do. He's gonna, and, and, but my first thought was, I don't want to get up at midnight and go stand in line all night. 
but I did. And when I did, I became the recipient of the blessing of God. He answered my prayer in a way I would have never guessed in a million years. But it took my part. Two things. If we do our part and have a broken heart and we begin to pray, God's going to answer. In fact, God is answering already. And it's not in a way that many people believe, oh, that can't be God. If when we pray and we do our part, that's going to give God opportunity to do His. I want to encourage you today, keep praying. Allow your heart to be broken for your family, for your friends, for your neighbors. And then don't put God in a box. Because you may think that God's going to provide one way and God has a $49 car waiting for you right over there. Already has your name on it. All you have to do is just outrun everybody else and get in it. If you do your part, God is going to do His. Let's trust Him. Can we do that? Father, we...